Chapter 19 Spoiler The Bastard of Istanbul by Alif Shafak In this spoiler part, we'll provide you with a complete analysis of the book. Don't worry, it's not some boring essay. In fact, we'll answer some quite interesting questions like what is the significance of naming each chapter after an ingredient of the dessert Ashura? To whom and for what was Zaliha apologizing in chapter 1? And who could be considered the protagonist and antagonist of this novel? So follow along if you want to know the answers to these questions and many others. My name is Hanin. Turn the page. Welcome to another chapter of Between the Pages. If this is your first time joining us on our podcast, welcome. We are your hosts. My name is Hanin. And my name is Nesma. We host this podcast where we review books and recommend them for you. Uh, We usually have non-spoiler chapters for those of you who want a spoiler-free review of a book. And spoiler chapters where we simply review the book down to every little detail. Today we have The Bastard of Istanbul, the spoiler chapter. If you haven't checked out our non-spoiler chapter yet, then go and do that. (laughs) Yeah. So we've already talked about a couple of things that we liked about this book in the non-spoiler chapter. I don't think we're going to talk about that again. Today in this podcast, we're going to talk about the title, uh, the characters, each character specifically. We're going to talk about some of the things they did Mm -hmm. in the story, what we thought of it. And the history between uh, each family, yes. or the history of each family. And we have a couple interesting questions today that we are going to answer. For example, what is the significance of naming each chapter after an ingredient of the dessert Ashura? Which we're going to answer later on. Uh, starting with the title, from the interview on Penguin, we realized that the author intended to name the book Baba and the Bastard. Yes. Uh, but then they ended up with the Bastard of Istanbul. Mm-hmm. And we want to weigh them against each other, both mm-hmm. titles. I guess let's start with Baba and the Bastard. I think it like it makes you think that the story is about finding the, the father and fatherhood and the, about the, the whole issue of being a bastard. So the title Bastard, the Baba and the Bastard, I found something so... Um simple about it there's something so straightforward with this yeah, title it gives away the story that it's about the fatherhood and finding the father in your identity yes because simply the most shocking thing about the whole entire novel is the whole incident rape thing with the see i said it there <laughs> there <laughs> there i said it <laughs> the incident was the defining moment of the novel so i think it only um it would only hurt the novel, so to say, if you were to call title a Baba, Baba and the Bastard. Yeah. It's it's quite clever to name the novel The Bastard of Istanbul simply because it's such a broad title and it mm-hmm. doesn't refer to anything specific. It just refers to the character, Asia, yeah. basically. Mm-hmm. And Asia uh, in the story uh, is the bastard. Uh, basically, who is someone with no past or lineage, as she referred to herself uh, several times in the novel. 
she herself didn't really want to know her father. I'm kind of linking this idea to the fact that she is without a she 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 lives without wanting to know her past, mm-hmm. uh, just like the Turkish are denying their um, past their past with the Armenians. Mm-hmm. Uh, she only started acknowledging her past when Armanush stepped into to her um, her life. After that, by apologizing to Armanush for what the Turks have done to her ancestors. Asiya the bastard becomes the bastard of Istanbul because Asiya is not just um, her own person mm-hmm. in this story. She's or the a, bastard of this family, the Kazanki family. She she's is representing Turkey. Istanbul yeah. as its whole because she's the one who apologizes to Ermanush or mainly to the Armenians of what the Turks have done to the Armenians. Yes. So... Yeah, I guess her interview, she said that she wanted the title to be Baba and the Bastard to address issues of fatherhood, but yeah, it turns out that the story wasn't about that sort of... No, yeah. no, it wasn't really oriented about the fatherhood thing. I think if, if it was fatherhood oriented, we would have had Asya more active in searching for her father, exactly. which she wasn't, yes. you know? Okay, and I guess this makes so much sense because... Asya is sort of the product of the genocide, in a way. So, hear this out. The genocide is basically the reason for all that happened. So, okay, so the reason Armanush's grandmother, Mm -hmm. Shushan, left her husband, who is Asya's great-grandfather, was because she, she finally found her Armenian brother, and she went home with him to America. Yes. Okay. And because so, of that... So she left... So she left her son. Her yes. only son as well. And mm-hmm. her husband. So because of that, her son becomes inconfident and turns out to be cruel in yes. a way. Turns out to be a bad person. Yes. Because he feels abandoned. Yes. And because of that, he takes this out on his children. Mm-hmm. Who one of them happens to be Mustafa and Zaliha. Yeah. And... So Mustafa inherits this, his, this inconfidence and sort of, I don't know. <laughs> you I, know. I know what you mean, like this scarred um, uh, personality. There's yes. something missing because his father was missing something. So he's implementing his own uh, issues on his son. So he basically inherits these um, uh, bad influences exactly. that he as has. As well as, as Zaliha. As who well becomes provocative and, you know, this person. and Who feels like she needs to rebel all to the rebel time. To rebel all and the time and have her own constitution, sort yes. of. And the rest, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it happened. Yes. And Asya is here. So, in a way, this all, this genocide resulted in Asya. Yes. If there hadn't been yeah. the genocide, the mo- grandmother wouldn't have to run away. She would have stayed with her son. Mustafa wouldn't have grown up to be a bad person. And Zaliha wouldn't feel the need to rebel, I guess. And everything would have been better. But, yeah. you know, it didn't. So, <laughs> so that's how life end, works. <laughs> yeah. So, in the end, the bastard of Istanbul. Yeah. It's, ba- it's of Turkey because the genocide. Is yes. The, yeah. Wow. Wow. So deep, Hanin. So yeah. deep. <laughs> okay. So the next point that we want to refer to was an interesting question that we read was, who do you think is the protagonist or an, an, and antagonist of this novel? Uh, we were like kind of brainstorming about this and mm-hmm. we, we narrowed it down to Asia, 
or Armanush, or Banu, or Zaliha. And for those were the, for the protagonists. For the antagonists, we have Mustafa, or um, history slash the genocide. So let's start with who we think the protagonist might be of this novel. Okay, so to think who is the protagonist, we have to think who moves the story forward. Mm-hmm. And we thought about Asiya, and then we decided no, she like she doesn't have a cause and effect in a way. Like mm-hmm. she's the effect, not the cause. Yes. And um, and the one who who showed us so many perspectives in the novel was Benu, with her jinn and like going in, into the past and coming to the future and relating the two families and knowing the secret of her sister and even acting on this knowledge. Um, so she's you know, because she's the one who knew the most. We followed her. And like we were this with with Asia with Armanush with with Banu, but we know the most because we we were with Banu, you know. Yes, yes. But in a way, she she's the one who moved us throughout the book. Definitely, and, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. That's definitely uh, an interesting point of view. And if Banu is the protagonist, the protagonist, yeah. then Mustafa is Mus- definitely the yes, antagonist because, because she's the one who yes. takes revenge on him, sort of. Basically, yeah. With the whole Ashura thing. <laughs> yeah. And with Zaliha Zaliha, as a protagonist. Yes. Zaliha, I had an interesting point of view, was because the story starts with Zaliha mm-hmm. and ends with Zaliha. But does that mean she's the protagonist? Not necessarily. I'll tell you why. Because Zaliha is not... Um, okay, she was the whole victim of the incident. Okay. Yeah. She, um, she, if she was the prota- if she, we could define her as the protagonist, I would see her as a defining character who who stands up for what happened to her, who finds a way to be okay with what happened, and maybe even takes revenge or confronts Mustafa or does something that helps her get out of this um, cocoon she put herself in because. Mm-hmm. She even made her daughter call her uh, aunt, aunt. Aunt, auntie. Yeah. And that is uh, that is that shows a lot about Zaliha's character. She's afraid and she's she's kind of trying to tell them, but she can't. Mm-hmm. She refuses not to. Yeah. And that kind of shows her, makes her look like a weak character a little. She hides behind her family. She finds um, um, comfort in pretending that everything's fine yes and keeping on being rebellious and yes she found love i mean she did find love and i guess maybe she was content with what she had and she didn't feel the need to to disrupt to disrupt any of it because but here's the thing i'm trying to understand because zali has such a rebellious character Mm. why didn't she say anything you know why didn't she speak up why didn't she I know there are a lot of stories about rape stories where the victims don't speak up and they're ashamed and they don't talk about it because they maybe they feel like it's their fault. Mm-hmm. And um, I even saw a documentary about Harvey Weinstein mm. uh, about the scandal of him raping many of the assistants and like people he worked with mm. uh, and not calling it rape. He said he keeps on insen- uh, insisting that it was consensuous. But they had interviews with those girls and everyone described the same thing that was in the book. This wasn't happening. If I just close my eyes, I'm not here and this wasn't happening. 
And it was, mm. I found it so interesting when I was reading about it because it was so similar to those real stories. Yeah. And I guess she's sort of pretending that it didn't happen, even though... It did. <laughs> and she has a child from it, you know? Yeah. But one thing I'm sure of is that Zaliha was the protagonist of the first chapter. Definitely, the first chapter yeah. to me felt like a, a short, short story, story on its own, yes. Mm -hmm. Where she was trying to do something about what happened. Mm -hmm. and, but she couldn't. And she failed. Yeah. So I guess if we jump to the question of uh, who was Ooh, she apologizing let, to. Let's not answer that question yet. Let's wait. Okay, we'll <laughs> wait on that one. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Definitely she's the protagonist of the first chapter. Yeah, I would say so. If we if we thought if we looked at the first chapter as a short story, mm -hmm. uh, more like an entry to the novel, I think she would be the protagonist of yeah. it. It was even a trick we thought she was the bastard. <laughs> in a way we did in, yeah. in a moment i thought she was the bastard but moving on the bastard wasn't there yet I was like. no wasn't born yet anyway okay okay so those are for the protagonists but i know some of you are probably thinking why don't you pick asia as the protagonist of the story um it's she's pro probably the easiest choice because mm -hmm. she's in the on title the ti in yeah. the title and she would be the protagonist if we said that genocide is the antagonist. Uh, for those of you who don't know, you can pick elements. It doesn't have to be a person as an antagonist. Mm -hmm. And uh, Hanin and I, we decided maybe that the genocide could be an antagonist in the story because it has a lot of negative impact throughout the story. Like, like we said, the, yeah. it, it is the catalyst to all bad things happening. Uh, in the storyline so if it were the genocide being the antagonist Asya would be the protagonist because she's the one who resolves the issue and apologizes to the Armenians as a whole so she's the one who resolves the issue yeah. as a character makes sense yeah I like this figuring out who's the protagonist antagonist thing <laughs> we never too. did it before no not at all because I, it's always a straightforward answer yes, with any other <laughs> i mean i love this book because it's so challenging it makes you think you yes know? <laughs> i miss our literature days in high Aww. school <laughs> i mean i've had enough of it in college but i mean it's different with you i have yeah, to say i, I was there <laughs> yeah, in of IG, course. yeah. <laughs> okay so now that we covered the protagonists and the title we shall move on to the characters <laughs> we will start with mustafa because he's the worst we'll just get him out of the way <laughs> okay and in starting with him we'll answer the question mm -hmm. what is the significance of naming each character after an ingredient of the dessert ashura each chapter he said what did i say you said character haha <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah what nisma said <laughs> uh <laughs> Okay, so the reason for naming the chapters after each ingredient of the Ashura is because in the end of the novel, where he eats the Ashura with potassium cyanide sprinkled on top of the Ashura, he dies. Okay, so the idea is that the whole novel paves the way to Mustafa's death. Okay, mm -hmm. but you don't know it's paving the way to his death. Yes. You haven't even been introduced to Mustafa. You have but you don't think he's significant in that way. Yeah. When we go into the chapter, no, it was Rosewater, right? Rosewater. Rosewater, where, we, where the incident happens. <laughs> and like how you're on board with this, with the incident. <laughs> uh, oh, you're not. 
but but you know you're just going along <laughs> where we find out what happened between Mustafa and uh, Zaliha we even in the moment where Zaliha uh, was going to pick up Mustafa from the airport we realize there is something weird going on. Mm-hmm. Even uh, Zaliha's boyfriend is asking, should I come with you? Wait, you shouldn't go, should you? You don't want to see him. And I'm like, why wouldn't she want to see him? Wait, <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> is he? Is, is he? he? Is he? <laughs> no. What? Well, was ah! that what Banu was <laughs> hiding from us? <laughs> so, I mean, it, it is obvious that it's it's paving the way to his death. And there's no other point of view here. <laughs> yeah. It's it's pretty amazing what she's done. How she incorporated even the title in the, in chapter, the chapter, in each chapter. Wow. 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 Exactly. Mind equals blown. <laughs> Literally. I'm like, I'm, I, I love Elif Shafak and her writing. It's yeah. amazing. We should read all of her books. <laughs> Definitely. One thing with Mustafa's character that we really wanted to discuss was... The reason for why he decided to kill himself with Ashura. Because it, it, it's weird that they believe that the the men die early. Mm. I mean... It is... I guess maybe the curse is true. Maybe... We don't know for a fact. Maybe it's just something they... Maybe it's a coincidence. Yeah, it's a maybe coincidence. Maybe it's a coincidence. It's easy to call it a curse. <laughs> if it, if it, there's no reason for what they what's happening in the Mm -hmm. family but the interesting thing about mustafa was uh all his all his life from the incident going on he avoided his family he like built a whole new life away from his family at the beginning we thought it was the regular dream to be an american forget about your own country but then being independent and all that yeah, but it turned out to be a quite different. Like mm-hmm. when he, when in the quote, for example, it was a choice be- less between life and death than between self-controlled death and, s- and sudden death. With such a family heritage, he was sure he would die soon anyway. Now his left hand, his guilty hand, could choose when and how. I mean, it's definitely clear that he kills himself out of fear rather than shame mm-hmm. or guilt. He he's rather afraid of what might happen if his family actually found out because definitely throughout the story we can re- we realize that Mustafa's like the favorite of the family being yeah. the only son mm-hmm. and he's like definitely been like a sweetheart to his mother and uh, the fact that she wants to make him his favorite meals when he comes home and she's like you and know she still forgives him for not asking about her yes all she, these years it's, yeah it's it's definitely that it's like die and and the truth won't come out or even if it did he won't be there to confront it exactly that's basically yeah. it so i guess kind of banu gave him the easy way out mm-hmm. you know it's like rather face than, it yes face mm-hmm. it head on be a man mm-hmm. and or, face his bastard and or like be a coward and yes be a coward and kill yourself you know, which is ironic. Such, it was harsh. Yeah. Which is ironic because it still takes courage to, to commit suicide. You know? Yeah. It is ironic, huh. isn't it? It is. <laughs> <laughs> because there there is this notion that those who kill themselves take the easy way out. You know? Which I... It's... 
yeah, we're not gonna go into that. We're yeah, not, we don't. We're agree not gonna. With Swiss, we're not gonna. Of we're not gonna discuss that even. Yeah. Um. I'm, whether whether or not that is true, um. It it is true in this story. It is definitely true. He took the easy way out, and he and he uh, didn't face his family of of the harsh deed that he did. And Zaliha was the one who was left to confront the whole story. I think Zaliha was the only one who was happy with the outcome. Banu was definitely um, on on both sides. I think she was gonna be fine with both of his decisions. Mm-hmm. She 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 felt like it was gonna be better better if he was gone. Yeah. But uh, I don't. I'm not sure about other than that. Mustafa is a very hard character to read. I think. Like I don't know whether to hate him or just like try to understand him. But I did. We did understand him throughout the, no, the throughout the story. We know the source is his father. Yeah, and in a way, building up in that chapter, Rosewater, it was there was the build up of what the why mm-hmm. before the the thing happened. Yes, but that doesn't, of course, you know, justify anything. Yeah. No, <laughs> not at all. Just like uh, Elif Shafak. Yeah. Okay, that was Mustafa. Enough for him. <laughs> Enough attention for Mustafa. Let's uh, focus on Banu. <laughs> Honestly, she's the most interesting character in the whole novel. <laughs> Definitely. The whole Jin thing. Yeah. <laughs> and clairvoyant. Or <laughs> it's in, Now we know how to become a clairvoyant. Just... <laughs> Uh, it's like she did like Atikev I think in her room yes <laughs> Atikev in her room <laughs> it's so easy nowadays with the COVID-19 you see, you see? <laughs> now become a clairvoyant <laughs> okay so right off the bat we can say that Banu is literally the strongest character in the novel this can be seen throughout her behavior with the jinn who constantly whispers in her ear time and time again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like luring her, her to do deeds that mm-hmm. she as a human being should not be able to or you know, like, meddle with. Meddle with, exactly, that's the word. But, but throughout she stayed strong. She only succumbed yeah. twice, I think. I mean, the fact that she resists all these temptation or mm-hmm. all these abilities, things that she can do. Yeah. She, she, she made it clear that she can have anything she wanted. Yeah. Fame and money and mm-hmm. everything. But she chose none of it. Mm-hmm. And I love her sort of dua uh, coat, which is... Um, which is like, either grant me the bliss of the ignorant or give me the strength to bear the knowledge. And she repeated it multiple of times. She's she's facing this tough choice of acting on what she knew yes. or just like resisting of gaining the knowledge, you know. It's this, it's this idea, is knowledge a curse or a blessing, mm-hmm. you know. In some cases, knowledge is a blessing, but in some in other cases, knowledge could be a curse. You know, yeah. like you'd find something out you'd never in your lifetime want to know, and you, خلاص, you know it. You can't yes, erase it. You can't it. unknow it. Yeah, you can't unknow it. <laughs> Why is that not a thing? Why is there no delete button? <laughs> and her strength of living with what she knew. Yes, not just the resisting the gen thing. Living with knowing that her brother <laughs> raped her sister. <laughs> Okay, fine. <laughs> there, she said it. And, I mean, you have to be strong enough to acknowledge that. Yes. And, I mean, live with the knowledge and not act upon it. And 
It's, it's, wow. I'm wondering why Banu never talked to her sister about this. <laughs> why did Banu never go to Zeliha and was like, hey, darling, are you okay? <laughs> she took care of her. Are you okay? Low-key, you know, <laughs> yeah. in a low-key way. Yes, in a low-key way. But I wonder if actually that was the right decision to not act upon that knowledge. Because she's the eldest sister. She could right. do something. I don't she know. She could definitely do something, but she chose not to. Which could be regarded as a good thing or a bad thing, I guess, from several points of views. Like, mm. if you think she's a she's a weak character saying that she doesn't do anything at mm. all, except in the very last moment. <laughs> I think that what drove her to finally act upon what she knows, like, that she, the guilt of not doing anything, mm. maybe... So Maybe. she decided to take matters right. into her own hand. Right. When, when خلاص, Mustafa showed up, so mm-hmm. he's here. Like the thing is, Banu was a bit religious, wasn't wasn't she? Yeah. Okay. So we know that um, in our religion, we always think there there is a reason for why everything happens. Mm. We shouldn't question God's basically decisions of how He wants things to to to. Speak pan out basically in our lives yeah so why should we mess with that you know and i think that's her strong point of view i think that's what she's trying to hold on to you know the fact that she's a religious person and talks to a jinn there's there's some contradiction there (laughs) i mean let's not talk about the facts of how that's not possible i like the embodiment of you know we we have those angels who write our good deeds and bad deeds on each shoulder Mm -hmm. (laughs) i like how creative alif shafa got and made them like two jinns you know the good jinn and the bad jinn <laughs> this is so like she gave the story a childish element in a way yes in true the, like as if it's a child's story you know mm-hmm. and you found her relationship with the mustafa interesting as an elder sister and a younger brother yes plus the interesting thing about banu was she's the older sister which means she has an influence on all of the siblings. And in this novel, it was especially Mustafa, which brings me back to the point that I talked to about previously, how Mustafa was escaping the deed um, that he committed, like the sin that he committed with his sister. How he was, uh, like for example, this quote in the novel will clarify things a little bit for you. Mustafa stuttered as he felt a chill run down his spine. He had always feared his eldest sister. Whatever voice he possessed deserted him the moment he felt Banu's gaze inspecting him. Though she made it a habit to scrutinize others, she herself remained inscrutable. <laughs> and I love how how um, this this fear of dynamic, like he's mm. a man, you know, he should be able to say something, you know, yeah. stand up for, for himself. But he know he did something wrong. So yeah. all these years he's been escaping basically banu and the (laughs) the judgment of his sister yeah and (laughs) and the fact that once he returns he actually takes that bowl of ashura and eats it (laughs) you know like all these years dude all these years you've uh, you've managed to stay alive and you now you only need to come face to face with your sister you know this reminds me it's like banu is the executioner yes and remember that story they kept repeating or maybe they 
told it once in the book about What? the it's a real story in our religion the man who kept uh, escaping from uh, Israel mm. the angel of death mm -hmm. and uh, Israel saw him I think in Cairo and he was why are you here I'm supposed to take your soul in uh, China or he didn't tell him he was like why are you here it's weird you know yeah and then the guy went to China, China uh, or some other city or I mean country and then there he met his death where he was <laughs> escaping the story was told in the novel and this is basically what Mustafa was doing he was escaping, he was escaping, his, his, escaping death. his death yes and because he knew he'd had to confront him his his own deed if he mm -hmm. returned to his family yes And like we said, he took the easy way out by actually eating the Ashura with the potassium cyanide on it. All right. So next character on our list is Zeliha, Asiya's and slash mother. <laughs> <laughs> with Zeliha's character, we found a very interesting question. To whom and for what is Zeliha apologizing? Hmm. So the quote goes like this. She scanned the dinner table, feeling more and more guilt-ridden at the sight of each bowl of rice pudding, now canopied by coconut flakes. Then, without turning her gaze, she murmured in a voice so gracefully soft, it didn't sound like her at all. I'm sorry, she, sa she said. I am so sorry. Now, this is chapter one. This was the last, last couple lines in the chapter. Mm-hmm. This was after she wasn't able to go through with, with the abortion. The abortion of, so I guess she could be apologizing to the unborn child of what happened. Yes. Or what this child would be. The fact that this child will have to grow up in such a messed up... So, and uh, that she feels that no child should be born under these circumstances. And maybe she apologizes for not... Like being having the strength of ridding that child of that fate. Of that fate, yeah. yeah. The second thing that she could be apologizing for is her family. Since uh, the setting and the people she's surrounded with is her family. So it might be um, easy to think that she's apologizing to them. And she's saying it in a low voice. So it's like she, she wants to say sorry to them, but she's like afraid mm -hmm. to address what happened, you know? Yeah. She's apologizing for the fact that she didn't have enough courage to tell them the truth about what happened to her, I think. And she feels sorry for the huge secret she's keeping. Mm -hmm. Like while reading the chapter and going on with the novel, you'd think she's apologizing for not getting the cinnamon and disappointing them. But yes, it's more yeah. than that, you know? Right, because she did forget the cinnamon. Mm -hmm. Wow, I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> But I think what's interesting is why, like you said, Zaliha didn't say anything about what happened. Like, my my guess is that she mm -hmm. was afraid that her mother would still blame her and tell her would that turn it was against her, her. Yeah. her fault because of her short skirts or whatever and would still hold Mustafa in that high pedestal of being the, the perfect boy son and the yeah just the boy just <laughs> the boy <laughs> and um or she didn't want but i don't think zeli has that selfless she didn't want her mother to be shocked in her son's actions and like the one she's uh she to, lost so much yes to, to tarnish form, his know? reputation yeah. basically yeah 
with his to mother. reveal the person her son actually is. Uh-huh. Kind of like. I mean, that would I be a blow to her because the mother, the grandma, Gulusam. Uh, it depends on how much she loves her mother. It depends mm-hmm. on how. But I think it's also related to her own own point of view. Like she's scared of being blamed or being misunderstood or maybe even uh, thrown out of the house or family. Yeah. Something like it. Maybe she's just scared. Maybe she knows she can't raise the child on her own and maybe she's afraid of jeopardizing that if she says anything. Yeah. Hmm. That was basically Zaliha. I think there's nothing more we can talk about. I th- Maybe there's one thing. I think the one thing that I th- uh, Zaliha chose to do by uh, co- making her daughter call call her aunt, I think by doing that, she's like detaching herself from the fact that she's the mother of this child. Mm-hmm. You know? So she's basically doing the same thing, same as, thing Mustafa. as Mustafa. They're yeah. both ignoring what happened. Moving on to our precious Asia and Armanus characters which we have a question for as well. On pages 179 to 180, Asya and Armanush discuss their differing opinions on the role of remembrance and the past. With whom do you most agree and why? <laughs> uh, I'll quote some uh, some things for you guys so you can have like a refresh- Context, refreshment yeah. of what they were talking about. Uh, Armanish's point of view was, you have to understand, despite all the grief that it embodies, history is what keeps us alive and united. In return, Asya replies, for me, history starts today, you see, there is no continuity in time. You can't feel attached to ancestors if you can't even trace your own father. So, Armanish believes holding on to history and the past, and Asya believes letting go of the past to live in the present. Mm-hmm. Which, Which one do we, <laughs> do we they, agree with? They, they both make sense in their, uh, because of their upbringing and yes. what they have been told or their life. But for me personally, no, I believe that history or maybe personal history, of course, affects your life uh, because it's what you, you gained basically growing up and what makes you who you are in a way mm-hmm. uh, but there is a certain freedom of like not acknowledging your past and just living day yes. by day you know <laughs> y- nobody can hold you uh, again uh, nobody can hold anything against you if you don't acknowledge it you know um, I think I personally agree with Asia I think Especially, I, I'm. I think I'm re- referring to the novel now. I think if uh, if you live in the past for too long and hold on to what happened in the past, how will you ever live live for the future? Mm-hmm. You know, if you always have this thing trying to right the wrong, you 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 basically you're gonna waste your life on something that's not in your hands. Mm-hmm. You know, especially Armanish. Armanish is like a couple generations after the genocide. And she literally has nothing, nothing to, to do, do with, with it. it. Yeah, <laughs> She's even half Armenian. Yes, <laughs> she's half Armenian, not even full Armenian. And it's from her grandmother. Like, even her mother isn't Armenian. Like, mm. her mother isn't Armenian. Her father's Armenian. 
But he doesn't really care about the genocide, I think. It's her mother who influenced her about the genocide. The grandmother, you mean? I mean, the grandmother. Yeah, probably. Who influenced her about the genocide. I mean, she's the reason why Armanish wanted to go to the Kazanka family. Because her grandmother experienced the genocide when she was, like, so little. Yes. But here's an interesting fact. Hmm. Asia and Armanush are connected through the past. Yeah. So if you didn't focus on the past, how will you ever know they are connected? Exactly. And <laughs> that and that what we learned through Banu yes. when she went to 1915. Mm. Right, right. Oh my god, what am I even saying? No. I think you do need the past to to, to <laughs> It's just don't don't be consumed by it. Exactly. Don't just live in the past. Yes. Yes. Like acknowledge your past, learn from it, mm-hmm. and move forward. But Don't just be stuck and mm-hmm. like be happy with being the victim, like that yes. guy said in the chat. Mm-hmm. Ooh, Baron let's get that something. One. Some among the Armenians in the diaspora would never want the Turks to recognize the genocide. If they do so, they'll pull the rug out from under our feet and take the strongest bond that unites us. Just like the Turks have been in the habit of denying their wrongdoing, the Armenians have been in the habit of savoring the cocoon of victimhood. Apparently, there are some old habits that need to be changed on both sides. So, it's it's he's basically referring to the same idea. Don't cling to the past, mm-hmm. either side of them. Um, the Turks are denying the past to overshadow what happened with the Armenians and the Armenians are not letting go of the past to hold it over the Turks mm-hmm. in order to play the victim, you know? And I think for both to live in peace, they both need to acknowledge it and let go of it at the same time. Yes. Yeah. So I guess, like you said, we need to acknowledge the past but not hold on to it so long that we get up, that we're obsessed over it and that we can't live in the present or the future. So I guess the last thing we want to talk about is um, something we found uh, interesting. Yes. Uh, that the book uh, started with... With the sim- with rain. With rain and ended. With ended, rain. And, <laughs> and ended. Ended <laughs> with, with rain, rain <laughs> as well. And... Uh, Your brain is shutting this- down. Yeah. <laughs> and what does this symbolize? Yeah. And what we think it symbolizes. <laughs> Hope we're doing a good job so far. <laughs> um, so we think that at the beginning of the novel, mm-hmm. uh, it symbolizes uh, chaos and disruption. And it was like in the moment where, where Zaliha was going to the abortion clinic mm-hmm. to get the baby. It uh, was like the, the sky is crying for her. Yes, yes. <laughs> Indeed. Wow, that's actually basically yeah. it. <laughs> Despite the the knowledge like from our culture or religion that rain is a good thing and it brings um it cleanses. Yeah, because it grows out the crops and like yes. it's 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 a source of life sort of. Mm-hmm. So to have it so in the opposite side in the first chapter even she was as something disruptive, you know. Uh-huh. It's so she was even like um, we shouldn't curse. We the shouldn't rain. curse the rain. Yeah. We shouldn't. Yeah. So we related to that because it's yes. a thing. Yes. Yeah. And then at the end, when Mustafa has already died, and they had the funeral, and uh, Zeliha had finally been able to tell her daughter the truth, 
and they had put him in the ground and she was like saying goodbye to all of it and she was able to finally let go of the past mm -hmm. you know uh we thought that the rain it symbolizes calmness and resolve and like this cleansing feeling mm -hmm. of like washing away all this uh, negativity and all this uh, all the bad things that happened yes. and now they can finally move forward with their lives yes although i think asia is gonna be scarred for the rest of her life <laughs> yeah the, what she knew was she shouldn't have known <sighs> no no I, i i and probably that's one of the reasons why banu didn't want to it to come out for asia not zaliha you know yes right or the mother or anyone or society it's just she doesn't want asia to live with that you know yeah It is quite sad. Ah, this novel was so sobering. <laughs> <laughs> Recording it was actually over pretty quickly. Like, I thought it would take us longer than this. <laughs> wow, yeah. But I really quite enjoyed this episode, I tell you. Because yeah. it's so analytical, mm -hmm. you know? There's so many hidden messages in this novel. And we didn't cover the half of it. <laughs> no, not But, at all. No. Yeah. We didn't even cover, like, Asya's articles... The ones uh, she's written throughout the and, whole novel. And Zaliha's as well. And Zaliha's. And there's... The idea of why each character, like you said, the, of Asia's group wasn't... wasn't uh, like, didn't have an actual name. It yeah. was a descriptive name, sort of. And, <laughs> yeah. Right. I, I, I'm still going to think about this after we stop recording. <laughs> I'm going to try to figure it out of why she didn't name those characters. Yeah. Um, there's probably a reason for it. But I really haven't thought about it. Yeah. Like this book needs more. It needs a reread, of course. <laughs> Definitely. And wow. I think yeah. once we, every time we reread it, we'll find something new that we haven't seen before. Yes. And know? that's the beauty of it, you know, yeah. the, of her writing and style. Like you said, it's a literary piece. Yeah. yeah. All right. That's <laughs> it for this week. <laughs> This week, we brought you a little Middle Eastern novel. Yeah. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed it. And not to forget, we should tell them Eid Mubarak. Definitely. Yes, Eid yeah. Mubarak. <laughs> By the time this episode I, comes out. This book wasn't very festive. Sorry, we didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> we had chosen it long before Eid, so yeah. we kind of already committed to it. So we needed to pull this through. <laughs> But anyway, Eid Mubarak to every one of you who celebrate Eid like us. And yeah, we'll see you in the next chapter. Mm -hmm. Thank you for making it to the end of this chapter. That was one sobering story that we'd like to share with you. Plus, we've been wanting to do something Middle Eastern for a while now. For next chapter, we're picking up a historical fiction standalone novel, The Huntress by Kate Quinn. Actually, in the next couple of months, we're picking standalones of different genres and we'll need your help in picking between some titles we've had on our minds. Don't forget to follow our podcast on platforms such as iTunes, Spotify, and Remy, and so many others to receive their latest episodes. We post every second Monday. My name is Nesma. Mark the page for chapter 20.